Hello, and welcome to Press YYZ, your favorite Canadian gaming podcast. You can watch the show weekly on youtube.com slash pressyyz, live on twitch.tv slash pressyyz, Wednesdays at 8 p.m., or listen to it on your own time on your podcast service of choice. We appreciate however you choose to support the show, but if you want to, um, if you want to toss any loonies our way, that's cool too. We'll take them. Uh, before we get started, a friendly reminder, as usual, Black Lives and LG- LGBTQ plus lives matter, as well as we need to stop Asian hate. Um, FYI as well, we do seem to be experiencing some technical hiccups at the moment. Um, we're hoping that won't experience, hamper your experience of the episode. That being said, we do appreciate you guys hanging out with us and hanging on through the technical hiccups. So thank you very much. So let's get started by, uh, introducing the crew. Cause, uh, we never start episodes like that. Um, first up AJ, how are you doing today? Alex Ballant needs to drop out of film school. He has bad opinions on good movies. <laughs> That's how I'm doing today. This sounds accurate. All right. Uh, well, seeing how we already have a great segue over to Alex. Alex, tell us about uh, what's going on with you and your bad uh, movie opinions. A star rating on Letterboxd does not accurately portray how I feel about a movie. And also, it's good to be here. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, Cozy, uh, you're back uh, on the camera like you always are, or helping behind the scenes. Mitch is such a better segue for this. Anyways, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty okay myself. Uh, it, um, As Leonidas underscore G says in the chat, it wouldn't be a live podcast without some hiccups. I'd like to imagine that the hiccups are part of our creative vision for this particular <laughs> podcast, much like... You know, how the four by three aspect ratio was part of Zack Snyder's creative vision on the masterpiece that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, I'm so scared to watch it. I haven't done it yet. This weekend, I've got to set the time and do it. Oh, okay. I'm so excited. I, 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 I need to address my, my previous comment. Um, your, your letterboxed review of Zack Snyder's Justice League, Alex, mm-hmm. was two stars. Yes. And you know what? I can see that as being fair. However, if you scroll back to 2017, <gasps> the original release of Justice League. Oh, no. <laughs> or as some may call it, the Justice League. Received two and a half stars. That does not that make extra, any sense. That extra me. half star, man. Just to piss me off? Is that why you do it? Oh, Before absolutely. Before you even knew me? Yeah. Wait, so <laughs> you don't think it was better than the original cut? No. Let's not let's not let's not put any words into anyone's mouths. Well, no, no. no we way. have empirical data of that just to be clear. Oh, <laughs> empirical data from from what? 3 years ago? Uh-huh. It's not the most accurate um thing because I'm changing my mind all the time. Zack Snyder's Justice League is better than the original theatrical cut of Justice League. That's a fact. Because it is just more coherent and it is like it is like the pacing is better. There's no weirdly forced jokes. It's a better movie overall. And I will amend that that letterbox review because that is a disservice to Zack Snyder's Justice League. So should are you by amending it? Are you going to amend Zack Snyder's Justice League and give it the four out of four stars? Uh, No, because it's no way in hell it deserves that much. No. All right. (laughs) 
But um, Joss Whedon's one is significantly worse. Okay, and it is yeah. it is especially like I watched it with like not to go into too deep into it, but I watched it with uh, a few people who had seen the original and a few people who did not. And coming away at the end of the four hours, all the people who had watched the original liked Zack Snyder's version way more than the people who had just were just jumping into this for the first time. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, hey, that's good to hear. That's interesting. Um, I think we're going to be talking more about Zack Snyder's Justice League later in the show a little bit as our topic of the show. Absolutely. So we'll come back to that. But first, I want to just start and talk about some of the things that we've been doing or playing. In this case, it's a lot of playing. Um, Cozy, I'm going to start with you because I feel like we never start with you. I think Mitch has an anti-Cozy agenda. Why don't you tell me about the uh, Prophecy of the Throne, the ReZero that you were playing last week as well? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I continue to savor and enjoy that game very much. Everything that I had to say about it last week, I would say, is very much true about this week as well. I think that it's a uh, great adaptation of the anime slash light novel series that it's based off of. Um, My criticisms from last week hold as well. I think that the uh weird ass um like real-time strategy not real-time strategy but turn-based strategy segments that i showed off in last week's video were continue to be a sore spot on the game uh but overall it's it's still quite good and i'm i i can see that uh the end of the game is in sight uh, uh where i'm currently at in it um but i intend to savor what little remains of it um it's funny though you mention mitch nathan uh because this past week i also played another little game by the name of marvel's avengers Ooh, now anthem. yeah or aka also known as uh, marvel's anthem now the thing about Marvel's Avengers or Marvel's Anthem is that I've played it before and I've even played it with Mitch before. However, uh, this is my first time playing the newly released Hawkeye DLC uh, alongside uh, Mitch and friend of the shows, um, Kyle and Antcore. And uh, friend is a little too generous for Ant. Well, he's a he's a amicable compatriot. How about that? That's fair. That sounds fancier. So we, uh, anyways, Hawkeye is, uh, the Hawkeye DLC is a fun time. Um, it's, I would not say that I walked away particularly inspired by it in the same way that I was by some of the moments in the main campaign for the game. Um, but it's still good fun. I will say, um, back when we talked about this DLC for the first time on the show, we had a bit where I asked you, Alex, about, uh, the character of Maestro, which is like the future old Hulk that kills all the event- other Avengers. Um, you do indeed fight Maestro at the end of this campaign, but to be honest, he actually has a way smaller role in it than I was anticipating. I thought he would be like the big bad manipulating things behind the scenes as part of like some master scheme, but he really is not that big of a part of it, which is disappointing. Um, but certainly Crystal Dynamics and company are showing no signs of slowing down their support for this game, at least not yet. So there will be more opportunities, I think, in the future for them to fully get my attention. Even yeah. that being said, it was still pretty fun. I remember that was one of the biggest complaints that I had about 
just the game in general and also the post content was it didn't feel like there was enough like big villains from the Marvel Universe and it still feels like it's very sparse with like different boss fights like it was like three different characters that they had or three different bosses and then I guess with Maestro it adds like a one new one I I'm not 100% sure but would you say that because you you're playing this on the PlayStation 5 correct Yes, but I'm not playing the PlayStation 5 version of the game, even though oh, it was just recently released, because, and this is such a cozy uh, decision, I want to make sure that I get the PlayStation 4 Platinum before I upgrade mm, to the PlayStation oh 5 version. Uh, does it, so when you, when you, tr- okay, so that's what I was about to ask, if you, if right. you go over, it'll give you all the trophies that you already have? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see. You can okay. pop the Platinum I, if you have the PS4 version okay. already. Cool. I was going to ask if like the the PlayStation as somebody who does not care about the trophies um, as much uh, mm-hmm. is I was going to ask, are the quality of life improvements that they made for from the PS4 to the PS5 version? Is it worth checking out? But I guess I can ask at least, do you think the Hawkeye DLC is enough of a jump to at least download the game again? Uh, I don't. No, I so here's the thing I um so I played before playing the Hawkeye stuff. I played the Kate Bishop stuff and I actually was surprised by how much I enjoyed uh, Kate Bishop as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, Hawkeye going into this, I thought, oh, well, if they're doing two bow and arrow wielders in a row, I expect that Hawkeye is probably going to be like a pretty substantially different feeling bow and arrow wielder. But in reality, it's actually a lot like echo characters in smash bros where Hmm. it's pretty they're both pretty similar to each other and i i don't quite like the differences uh in uh hawkeye's character compared to kate bishop okay um so i as somebody who didn't play either of them would that sway it in any way i mean i think i think kate like i said i think kate bishop or herself as a character is fun and i think that in theory you could get glean some enjoyment out of hawkeye as well okay i no i i don't think that it's it would hurt to give him a shot i'll say that much okay interesting um okay well i'm sure we'll have more to talk about with avengers next week when mitch is back and telling us giving us updates on the uh, ps5 version but let's talk uh go from a mediocre superhero game to a much better superhero game aj tell us about injustice 2 yeah, you know, I you know, I, I wish I could tell you how what inspired me to jump into Injustice 2 a little bit um this past week, you know, it's I it's it's lost on me, you know. It it could have been anything. Literally could have been anything. But mm-hmm. um yeah, it's on Game Pass, so I just figured I'd download it to my Series X and play it. Um and I'm having a, a fairly a, a, a fairly decent time with it. I'm not the biggest uh f- I'm not the biggest fighting game fan. Yeah. My my preferred fighting game style is something more akin to a dead or alive okay. where there's a little bit more fluidity in the movement where Mortal Kombat, Injustice, Street Fighter and all that typically have more what I don't know what the word word i'm looking more like frame data and like precision yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's well it's there there's a fluidity to dead or alive and even even say soul caliber then um like in between combos and stuff where it just feels like you're doing 
this button input and this button input and this button input and you've done a combo where it feels like they kind of connect more in in the other those other games that i mentioned um okay yeah it it can be hard to explain without like feeling the difference like right in front of you but you know for i i just get frustrated when i when i double tap to sprint forward and he doesn't keep running he just takes a bigger step if that makes sense Mm -hmm. right and then and then and grabs have to be like so precise um in terms of the range and whatnot um which you know it's just a different style of game and something i'll adjust to i haven't played too much uh into it i think i've got gotten i I did the first batman and the first harley quinn sets of levels there and played played around a little multiplayer uh multiplayer uh just like quick fight arcadey stuff but um yeah i was absolutely inspired by uh justice league coming out again um and you know it i find i find not not to harp too much more on the actual justice league thing before the topic of the show yep but i find and i mentioned it on twitter avengers in terms of the movies was it is great and the dc universe that they were trying to create could have been at the very least good it's just unfortunately and you can you can just see it they were trying to rather than just let it be its own thing catch up to where the avengers were and rush right up to that point very similar issue that i had with say mass effect 3 Mm. where they released that i think a whole year earlier than i think they should have but you know mm-hmm. yeah okay okay yeah yeah I- i'm curious to hear your feedback um down the line once you finish the story for injustice and tell me what you think is better Zack mm-hmm. Snyder's justice league or the injustice storyline i well so far i i don't know i'm this Injustice 2 storyline is super cheese balls, where Justice League was only a little cheese balls. Did you play the first Injustice? I have that on PS4, um, but I haven't played that in a long time, and I never got all the way through it. Mm-hmm. So mm. I could be a little. I could, it could just be I'm a little lost okay. on it. But I think the first Injustice is a really great, great story. Um, and I like Injustice too. It like it's a comic book, so it has its cheese ball moments, but it's good at the same yeah. way. Um, uh, and it's definitely it's a Elseworlds tale. It's definitely not a real DC universe tale. I guess yeah. that's the other thing to think about that one. Um, but it, they they do good takes on it, and it's something that that uh, you know they they've been the fact that they've been trusted with the DC license. Um, like that to just tell their own DC story, it you know, mm. it works. They they do a good thing and it works. Well I mean you can definitely tell that it oh oh no go ahead Alex. Go ahead. I've been talking a lot. Okay, yeah. Like you can you can definitely tell that like Injustice inspired a lot of the Zack Snyder verse. At least in the way that kind of is like, oh, Superman like especially with like the visions that Batman gets, uh in Batman v Superman especially, you can tell that there was a lot of influence that Injustice had 
on the this take of of DC for sure. I will say too that after Injustice came out, they actually wrote a comic book that was supposed to be a limited. I think it was supposed to be a limited series, and it ended up going over like a hundred issues. Yeah, um, wow. telling the story of the like just in the Injustice universe um, that people really really liked. Um, it's a good, it's a decent story, and it's got one of the most brutal like. I feel bad for Superman in a lot of ways, even though he's the bad guy, the central bad guy, because of how he got to that position. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll come back to Injustice 2 next week, I am sure. Um, but let's talk about the Gates of Hell. Uh, I assume it's the Gates of Hell, Alex. Is that correct? Is that what happens in this Ancient Gods Part 2 DLC? <laughs> I sorry to everybody at home, uh, but yeah, I <laughs> that was, was a particularly rough patch in the Discord audio department. Not I, your heard, I heard the word hell, so I think I think it we was, got enough context clues there. Yeah, it was a good transition. Oh. Uh, though hell isn't really a part of the Ancient Gods DLCs uh, so far. Oh. Um, yeah, you you're going to this like planet uh where it's like where the ancients, the ancient gods were made and it's supposed to be this like final battle between you as the doomslayer and the dark lord. And oh my god, every time one of these DLCs has come out for Doom Eternal, I get reminded on why I love this fucking game so much and it's so good. And, like, it really is just, like, it is, uh, there is no first-person shooter like these Doom games, uh, specifically, like, the most recent two. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a really good time playing through it, though I there are some very notable issues with both of the DLCs that I think you get in particular, specifically in difficulty spikes, they make they made these DLCs hard as fuck. Like they really they introduce a bunch of new mechanics, new enemy types, and they really try and like really try and push your mastery of like this enemy needs to be taken down by this weapon and this enemy needs to be taken down by this weapon and like how you like prioritize your enemies and how you prioritize like what sections of them you have to shoot with what gun to do the most damage all while moving at Mach 10 at the same time. And so that's the stuff I love about it, but I think in both of the DLCs, there are certain points where it gets pushed so far to the extreme, where it's like, this just sucks, this is just not fun, this is just, like, this is just hard for the sake of being hard. Specifically, like, they somehow manage to make a boss fight that is worse than the Marauder in many ways, and I just thought, how did you do this? You took this one this one enemy that everyone hates. And yes, I know the strategy of how to fight him, but you made a new boss that's somehow worse than it because every time he hits you, you just get all your health back or it gets all of its health back. And it's like, this sucks. And so uh. that there was points where I was getting like, and I wasn't playing on the hardest difficulty because I remember that huge difficulty spike in the part one. And so I'm like, I'm just going to play on normal instead of hard. Cause usually I play doom. Like I've played the two doom games on like the second hardest difficulty. And there was a certain point where I was like, this sucks and I'm just going to turn the difficulty down. But even then it was still a challenge, but not like a fun, like rewarding challenge. Okay. So, but mm. But overall, it's great, and I would say, especially if you're really into the Doom games, it 
is worth playing and really kind of adds this feeling of finality to Doom Eternal. And honestly, at this point, I would kill to see Id do something different. At this point, they've wrapped their story up. They really, ex- they really expanded Doom up. Are they? They really expanded Doom Eternal to like the farthest it can go with with mechanics. And I just like, I would be cool to see Id go do something new because I think they've earned it at this point. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I think Id's got a lot of options of what they can do. Hopefully, it's not more rage. Were they the ones who did rage too? They did the shooting in Rage. Oh, that's right. Another studio did Rage, too. Yeah, it was Avalanche. Avalanche, yeah. that's right, yeah. But, um, okay, cool. Um, oh, ow! I just took an arrow in the knee. AJ, tell me about Skyrim. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> you, you really got me there, Nathan. <laughs> that, oh, that hurt me. Ugh. Ow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, another thing I decided to boot up on my brand new Series X is... Uh, a little game that came out 10 years ago this year and that's uh skyrim i'm not i'm not too far into it uh i'm enjoying the um what what is it the the special edition that they released on the yeah previous generation of consoles or whatever i I have that one special edition yeah it's got all the dlc and everything yeah it's got all the dlc in it and it's got mod support I'm not playing with any mods because I'm enjoying getting the achievements. So, will I get all of them? Probably not. But, um, oh, uh, one one other thing I wanted to bring up, Series X related, while I'm thinking of, of it. Um, Alex and Cozy. Um, mm. yes. do, you guys, do you guys have quick access right now to... A, a Series X controller uh, and your Series X, as well as a wired pair of headphones. Uh, kind uh, of. Yes. I, okay. I have the headphones that I'm currently wearing. If you want, I can take them off it, and plug them you, into a headset. <laughs> okay. Uh, if okay, I I need you guys to test something for me because I don't know if I'm going crazy or not. But, okay, mm-hmm. Alex, the the ball's in your court. Okay. Yeah. Go for it, Alex. Pl- plug right. a wired head- headset into your Series X controller into the audio jack port. All right, one second. And yep, it's uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to spoil it before before whatever happens happens. Plug, plug, yeah. Plug okay. it in. Turn, turn uh, on the system. All right. Series X and is listen, turning on. And listen, listen through through those headphones. that's lots of lots of good dead air here of course this is the perfect time for our network to be working great yes what am i listening for i was gonna mention um you you would hopefully be listening for some sort of loud static noise of some sort i i'm not hearing any of that not hearing anything um if you go into the audio settings uh just through the the headset volume Press the guide button, and you sh- yeah. it should be yeah, somewhere in there. Um, try playing around with like the 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 volume level in there. Okay, it's at max volume. Mic monitoring yeah. is not, and it's like it's the headset chat mixer is all the way to. Okay. Game. I got nothing. Okay. 
Great. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so I did a little bit of research into this issue that I'm having, but I am getting a very large amount of static noise from my... Wh when I try and plug my uh, wired headphones into the controller itself. And it's happening to both of my controllers, both the one that I bought, the white one that I bought at launch, and the one that came with the console. It seems to be not a big issue, probably because a lot of people are using wireless headphones at this point, but the option is still there to use wired headphones, and it is practically unlistenable for me to do that. Hmm. It's... I don't... Is this I don't, an issue with just, like, have you tried multiple pairs of headphones? Uh, no, this is the only pair of headphones that I have. Right. Other other people are using different kinds of headphones and having the same issue. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it. I don't know what it is, so public service announcement. You should probably check it out and maybe see if see if you can contact support or something but otherwise you know the the audio and everything is fine coming through the hdmi and all that but it's like i just i'm that that's the only issue that i'm having with this xbox so far mm -hmm. so interesting well it, it, i guess it could it, it could have been worse it could have been stick drift it's true that's a good point nobody likes yeah, your that's... stick drifting Nope. That's what I've heard. Um, all right. Well, hey, that's a public service announcement from AJ. Check out your Xbox controllers and your headphones and make sure they work because apparently there's other people with uh, the problem and it's not working as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to jump into what I've been playing. Um, I've had a hankering for some w sweet WWE action and they really haven't put out a main game uh, in a little while uh, the last one was WWE 2K20. Um, so, and it was a mess upon release, but it was on sale enough for the deluxe edition that I wanted to pick it up. So I did. And I can report it's not as bad as it used to be, apparently. Ooh. I've run into very few glitches um, in the game. It plays like a WWE game. There's some ugly character models. There's no question about that. But the play is okay. Um, like as far, like I'm not running into all those funny glitches that everybody saw. Um, but what I really liked about this game and what they did differently is with all the DLC. So instead of doing just traditional DLC where here's a bunch of different characters we can add, they actually went a different route and did themed DLC with different types of, um, like this is a cyberpunk DLC essentially in like a, uh, like a future universe. Um, so they've given all the characters like a cyberpunk look, a cyberpunk arena. There's a story that they're telling with it. Um, it's, uh, really cool. Uh, lots of different characters like robot hunters and such. Um, there's a set of DLC that's a horror themed one with characters that are like zombies and mermen and Frankensteins. Um, another one that's like a fallout future apocalyptic wasteland like um, Mad Max. And and then the final one's a very, ta very funny take on old school wrestling, um, exaggerated from the 80s to like the ninth degree. 
So I just really appreciated the risks that they were taking within this game. Cozy, if you want to forward, forward, fast forward a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, I still found all those introductions uh, that just played to be pretty funny. So, uh, well, and funny isn't the right word. It's just like, wow, there's really a, quite a diversity of different types of fighters in this game. Everything from like cyborgs to weird like robot people. I think I just really appreciate that they took a risk with this DLC instead of doing the, the boring thing and 2K actually went ahead and did something that was really different and unique um, that they hadn't done before. I know that's not to everybody's taste um, in terms of gameplay. In fact, I've seen some people like, oh, I just like it because it's a wrestling sim, but this is really unique. Um, and the part, frankly, the reason I bought the game um, because of this DLC because I wanted to try it and play it and see what it looked like. Um, so no, it's, it's, uh, I can report that WWE 2K 20 is not a terrible game anymore. It's a meh game. Um, <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. You know what did, though? I'm having fun with it. Um, did you create us yet? Did I create what? Sorry. Did you create oh. us like the podcast crew yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, that is on okay. my list to be doing soon. Um, so, uh, I will do that and we're going to have a fatal five way match. If I can make that, uh, elimination match to see who would win. Um, I, I feel like in all fairness, if you were to do that, Nathan, we would have to participate in the game in some fashion. Like it feels a little bit unfair of you to create like super intricate character models of each of us and have us like not even really pay attention to it when you do so. Well, what I yeah, thought my, we could my, do. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. My wrestling stats in real life are fully maxed, so just so you're aware. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, so I was, if you want it to be accurate. I was going to uh, just have the computer play it, and I thought maybe a future episode could us be us um, color commentating it for an episode Ooh. topic. You know, if Discord and everything worked properly, that episode, because it would be hard otherwise. Um, but yeah, no, the game's fun. It's good, uh, good-ish. Um, there's definite problems with it still. Uh, it's a good thing they've taken a year off and not done 21. Um, so maybe they can come back stronger w with a version this year, um, especially with PS5 and Xbox um, Series X slash S. Uh, they really need to do more with the series and they need to make it look better. And there's some real jank and some real ugliness in it. Um, but the moments of fun are just fun. Um, I'm playing through the women's revolution, um, which is a storyline mode as well, that they basically, the women's wrestling over the past few years has really taken off um, in a major way where it, they really would get like two minutes per match, maybe sometimes less. Um, and now it's taken off to where the main caliber of women are as good as the men. And they've even let women main event several pay-per-views uh, pay before now. Um, last year, the women main evented WrestleMania. So that's super exciting. Oh, no, probably. the year before that. Um, but yeah, it was Charlotte. Uh, I was going to say last year, like because it was the coronavirus year, that feels like a little bit like, oh, man, it's good that they got to mainline WrestleMania. But it was also kind of an off year. So no. hearing that it actually was in 2019 is sounds way better. Yeah, it was 2019. Um, I was confusing myself there. Um, you know, the years just kind of run into itself. But yeah, they let the, the women close the show. 
um, which is a big, big deal. So they, they've come a long way. And really the showcase mode really goes through their steps in the developmental territory, um, the four horsewomen to uh, basically that WrestleMania main event is where I think it finishes off in the story. So hmm. um, just a lot of fun stuff with it. It's good to play. Um, I'm going to probably have more about it. And maybe I'll stream this on my new streaming night of Thursday nights when I start streaming regularly, starting tomorrow, FYI, for our people right here on this channel. Hell yeah. So uh, just so everybody's aware, I also want to give Cozy uh, uh, Cozy a big shout out for helping me with OBS because I am a dummy and I don't know these things and I'm not... I used to think I was good at computers, but I don't think I'm as good as I thought I was or maybe I'm just old and don't give myself enough credit. Um, but, uh, he helped me a lot with understanding OBS much better than I do. So I'm looking forward to starting streaming tomorrow, hopefully at nine o'clock if everything goes appropriately. So, um, finally, Alex, I want to just jump in. Um, I was trying to act like my screen had frozen for a few seconds, but yeah, nobody commented on it. So I wasn't looking (laughs) at your screen. Sorry. Par for the course. Um, (laughs) But uh, Alex, uh, before I get yes. stabbed in the neck from behind, why don't you tell me about Assassin's Creed Syndicate? Oh Jesus, man, that was a good it. one. Yeah. Do we even need Mitch at this point? No, I don't think so. To be honest, I don't yeah. think so. I don't. I don't think we need Dad back. To be totally fair, yeah. To yell at us. He's gone out for cigarettes and he's never coming back. Yep. Um, either way, yes, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I just started it since uh, since last week. I've completed Persona 5 Strikers, um, and so I needed a new game to play. And I decided, uh, mostly because I watched the kind of funny in-review for the Assassin's Creed franchise, mm. and the fact that, spoilers, I guess, for that, um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate was number one on the list, what? Really intrigued. It really intrigued me. Yeah, he uh, huh. Barrett uh, had deemed Assassin's Creed Syndicate the best Assassin's Creed game. Um, if I if I'm remembering it correctly, I remember it was number one for like most of the list since it popped up. I can't remember if it if it beat out Valhalla at the end, but either way, um, having like no experience with Assassin's Creed Syndicate, but having had a lot of experience with the Legends of Zelda series in the past, I kind of yeah. wonder. If it's like a kind of a Twilight Princess situation where a lot of people did not like Twilight Princess when it came out because it seemed incredibly derivative of prior games. It seemed kind of old and tired and stuck in its ways. But upon looking at it in retrospect, a lot of people have acknowledged that, you know what, all that aside, it is still a really well-crafted game. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I've been getting from it so far. I'm very, very early on into it. But one of the the biggest takeaways that I've gotten from it so far, and it's very weird because this is a this is a thing that I've never really said about an Assassin's Creed game before, but the soundtrack is fucking awesome in Syndicate specifically. It's um it's done by uh, Austin Wintery, who uh, did the Journey soundtrack, and he did the Pathless, and he did Abzu. So he's like this really kind of like this like profound uh, composer in the video game industry. And his soundtrack for Assassin's Creed Syndicate is really good. Like it is specifically like it stands out so much to the point where I actually noticed it being like like how good it was. Which is something that I, you know, have never really said about one of these games before. Uh, Also, just like, you know, very quickly, because I don't have too much to say about it. I really am liking 
uh, Jacob and Evie, who are the two main characters. I do like that there are very slight differences between them in their gameplay styles. Like Jacob's more of like a brawler. Like it's like if you want to kind of if you want to not really like he can stealth, but he's not like as good at stealth as like Evie. So you can switch between them whenever you want. It's not you're not subjugated to playing as either one of them at any given time. But there are differences between them that will make one slightly edge out the other depending on what you're wanting to do which i think is very cool and it's something that i think uh assassin's creed games in the future could totally can totally play with because i know odyssey had like once you chose your character you're kind of stuck with them but alexios and cassandra are the same like they are the same no matter what they're just they're depending on the context that they're in the story is different. And it's the same thing with male Ivor or female Ivor. And I just think it would be really cool if they like, if they went back and, you know, played around with the idea of having two characters and have them be different enough from each other. But yeah, that's kind of mostly what I've got to say. I will definitely, um, you know, I'll definitely have more to say next week when I'm further on into it and have more to say. Sweet. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and I really hope you get some funny bugs, um, like eyeballs sticking out all over the place, uh, and that you have pictures of it, because that would make me happy. Um, because I did not get the bugs I thought I'd get in WWE 2K20. So I hope you get some really crazy bugs. Um, yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. So, But that being said, uh, I'm sure they're fixed by now, even if they were there. We're going to jump into the topic of the show. And we kind of hinted at it earlier, but uh, as we were referencing the Justice League movie, in fact, specifically Zack Snyder's Justice League, we, um, we came to the conclusion of what games need a Zack Snyder cut? And I guess we should talk round rules of this, who we're, we're looking for. This is a round table, correct? Yes. 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 Okay. I, ju- I just want to confirm that. I should have known that before we started. Um but we want to just we're going we'll go around the room and we'll talk about a few games I think where we think they could use um uh the I guess the director to come back in is that what we're looking at and fix it if they were removed or are we looking at somebody to come in and just reworking things is it the specific Zack so, Snyder situation? So okay, so the example that I gave when when I kind of pitched this was. Think about everything that Hideo Kojima went through when Metal Gear Solid Five was uh, being developed. Yep. And imagine if he got a second chance to make that game exactly what he wanted to make it. I will so. say that there are that... I mean... MGS5 is like the ultimate example of a game that should have this. But I think we should be able to loosen it a little bit because some of the games that I was thinking of. Yeah, I think like like games that like we know that there's like a lot of cut content or like, oh, the trailers like looked like like the like the E3 demos looked like this. And then the final game was like this. Like, I think we can have stuff like that of like this would be like the what if they managed to. Because obviously the circumstances of game development means the game's forever changing until it's released. But like, what if we got that initial showing version of this game? What, what if Spider-Man released with the correct puddles? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Instead of an 8 out of 10, would have been a 10. Uh, yep. I, I think Spider-Man's more than an 8. 
But that's just that was just its aggregate on uh, gotcha. with like all the reviewers. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Okay. I I think it's worth more than that, but yeah, of course. I think it's it's not a ten, but it's like a nine. Oh yeah, but yeah, I do also. Way. I want to say with regards to ground rules. I mean, this is not perhaps as pertinent as some of the other ground rules, but. While we will be obviously referencing Zack Snyder's Justice League, I don't think we will be going into spoilers with regards to uh, the four-hour-long opus. Uh, Myself, AJ, and Alex have all seen it, but you, Nathan, have yet to see it. So we would not want to ruin any of the many delightful surprises that are within said flick. Okay. That's completely fair. Um, okay. I mean, if if you're if you're fine with spoilers, we'll, we'll just spoil it away. But no, it's I up to you. Prefer you don't spoil it. I, I want to catch it fresh, so I need to do that. Um, okay. I also doubt that we'll have much to like say specifically of spoilers for the movie. Rather than, I would see like us maybe spoiling a game that we would be talking about, but probably not. The yeah, Snyder I Cup. think this is more high concept yeah, stuff when movie. we're talking about games. And we don't really need to get into the movie huge amount. It's more, what are we doing to the game that's similar what happened to that movie in terms of either lengthening it, making it stronger. Um, anyways, so I'm going to let um, AJ, uh, this is your idea, and you already brought up a game. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's going to be the same yeah. game, but I'll let you go. Okay, yeah. Um, it's not going to be the same game, but it's it's a game that I also referenced earlier. Um Mass Effect 3. Mm. Mm. The Mass Effect games typically had about a three-year development cycle, at the very least, from one to two. And so you would think to develop the third installment, supposed to be the closing chapter, it would get the same sort of respect there. But unfortunately, it did not. And... I think I think that showed not just in the what a lot of people would say was kind of a cop out slash rushed ending, but the the journey along the way of Mass Effect three was full full of other references that didn't get quite fully explored. And there's also other bits in it that, for example, that weird assassin ninja guy who Kai showed Lang. up. Yeah. 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 He, he was very shooing from the, the Mass Effect books. Exactly. He, he like, they just, uh, we need, we need a, a guy to fill in this. And he probably deserved more input in, in that uh, instance. So um the 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 multiplayer in mass effect 3 i thought was really good but you know that was a different team entirely once once the game was made i think this i think the story of mass effect 3 absolutely needed more time to cook i think they got maybe 60 to 70 percent of the way there probably there's just some loose ends that didn't quite have uh it's not even loose ends because you kind of wrap everything up it's yeah it's those everything in between just didn't quite have enough 
I will agree that definitely with Mass Effect 3, they consolidated so much of just the mechanics and just like the overall like dialogue system was really condensed down to like two choices, like either mm-hmm. you're you're Paragon a good guy, Renegade. yeah, either Paragon or Renegade, and that was mostly how it was in Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 1, but there was a little bit more nuance to it, and I will agree that one of the like a lot of the character stuff, like the in between, like the the in between the big like like big galactic moments, there was not as much character like moments that we could have potentially had, and that's where I think, though the Mass Effect three, I think it's a good pick. I also do think it also has the Snyder cut type treatment when it came with the DLC. The Four pieces of DLC for, well, technically it's three because one of them was day one, but the three pieces of DLC that had came out uh, post-launch were awesome, and they really did start, they really did, like, fill out those those moments that we were kind of, like, missing in the original game. There was no, in the original game, there was no moment with the crew before the final battle. In the Citadel DLC, you got pretty much a full dlc dedicated to having that final moments with your crew before you go do the big final impossible mission there's a whole bunch of exposition that was missing about the origins of the reapers but then you got all of that in the leviathan dlc and so i really do think that to a certain extent you kind of have a lot of that stuff because of the dlcs and i think I really do think that when we see the Legendary Edition come out in May, people are going to have a much different reaction to replaying Mass Effect 3 with all these DLCs baked in instead of most people not playing them because they were disappointed by the initial release of Mass Effect 3. My my so my first playthrough of Mass Effect 3 was a year after the game released. And so I had all of that context. So that's where my perspective is coming from. Okay. So me saying that it needs a Snyder cut, even with all those additional DLC moments put into it, I still feel like there's a lot of the main plot that is just somewhere on the the cutting room floor that would have, you know, helped out along the way for sure hmm. so okay that's just where i come yeah, from that's fair all right that's fair mass effect 3 i'm not surprised to hear it on this list i know it was very divisive uh long it's uh when it launched i'm curious to hear the feedback uh when the remaster comes out i will pick but- the remaster up at some point uh when it's on sale but i don't think i want to pay 80 bucks for it Fun, fun fact, my, my friend Ben was working at Bioware at the time of that and got one of those cupcakes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which was cupcake? Angry cupcake? Fan. I don't recall what he said about it, but he was there for that, and that was exciting. He was working on Dragon Age at the time. Oh, so. sweet. Uh, I feel like sending cupcakes to a developer in the hope that they'll change their game for the better is a better act than, you know, just spewing hate speech online. I will say, I'd have to imagine that those, those cupcakes couldn't have arrived in like good condition when they arrived, unless they like, did did the people online specifically like reach out to like a catering service and have the catering service? I think they ordered it from like a local cupcake store or something and said, send these to this 
address and it happened to be the bioware office so well they used to do that type okay. of stuff uh for shows like um i believe it was chuck where um that also had the girl from mass effect in it uh yvonne Yvonne Strahovski. Strahovski. I can never say her last name. Because they would constantly send Subway sandwiches to the uh, Chuck offices. Or to NBC trying to get them to renew Chuck. Mm -hmm. That was a thing. Hmm. So, and somehow it made it six seasons. So, it worked most of the time. Does does Chuck (laughs) need a Snyder Cut? Does Chuck need a Snyder Cut? No. Um... No, it's a pretty good uh, show from beginning to end. Um, but w- So here's my thought process uh, process on um, the Snyder Cut games. Because I was thinking about this. And like, what game do I think really needs it? Um, and I'm going to come back to a, a game from a series that I like that I did not like the game. Um, hmm. And I think there's a few reasons for that. But Final Fantasy XII. So Final hmm. Fantasy XII is a tale of really two games. Um, it's, uh, was midway through release, uh, the first director left and you can see the tone in the game shift, uh, when that happens. Um, and it really changes, um, like the, the whole tone of the game. And like, I have other issues. I don't love the battle system. I know people do, but they went away from the turn-based battle systems to this more gambit system, which, your party, you kind of pro pre-program your party's moves for them and they have priority on them. So and you can it, get really, it looked like an MMO. Yeah. It looked like Almost. an MMO. Um, and you kind of like programmed your party to fight for themselves, which is, I think the part I don't like. I prefer turn-based mm. systems where you control everything. Like when I play for Sona Fa- or persona, um, they'll give you the option to let your players fight like on their own and that's a bad call they don't often make good decisions now this allows you basically to control the ai and how they do things so it's slightly better um but it's still not a battle system that i really ever jived with um but i'd be curious to see what this game looked like if it had the same director from beginning to end of the game um so that's always one that I wish. I, I think I tried. The, I sold the collector's edition upstairs, the steelbook for the PS2. It's the one game I never got rid of. Um, but this is one of those games where I restarted it like three or four times. And I could just never, like years apart from each other, never get on level with it. And I don't know why. Because I love Final Fantasy X. I love the previous Final Fantasies. But this is where I started falling off of the series. Because thirteen wasn't much better. Although I liked thirteen too. Um, but yeah so i don't know that's my my thoughts have any of you guys played final fantasy 12 no no unfortunately i know i never got into final fantasy i remember being at um uh, actually it was my friend ben's house oh, cool. and he had picked it up from eb uh this was back what what year did that come out uh 20, 20. 2007 8 uh something around there, there yeah yeah, it was definitely was like I've the, one of those games that I've, came at the very end of the PS2's life. 2006, yeah. March 16th. 2006, okay. So I remember being over at his place and him being real excited for it. And then, yeah, he got to the he got to the gameplay of it and just was just like, okay, well, this is a choice. Yeah. So I had this... We, hmm. we were 16 at the time, so... 
Mm-hmm. You feel like you have to play it at that point too. Like I, I was pre pre-ordered. I picked it up as soon as I could. I had one of the special editions. I was like super in on this game. Um, and I think it's kind of my dumb fault. Cause I did try a demo of the game and I was hoping it would be better than what the demo was. Cause with dragon quest eight, it came with a demo disc for this game. I miss those. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, the pieces never quite came together for me. Now there's some people will tell you this is their favorite final fantasy. And I think you'll always hear that, but it just always, I was going to mention uh, earlier in this con- in this podcast, we talked about final fantasy, not final fantasy, uh, twilight princess and assassin's creed syndicate and i feel like this game has sort of entered into that same sort of phase where it was you know controversial at the time of its release but people have since then kind of come back to it and really appreciate it Um, but i know that obviously not everybody feels that way yeah i'd be curious i still haven't played the zodiac edition or zodiac age i think it's called um which is uh it's more fixing mechanical things in the game than story things and that's where so it i don't know i'm curious to try it i should try that at some point uh oh hey it is zodiac age what do you know um i'm curious to try it at some point uh but this is a game where i i would love to see the original director come back and finish his vision of the game instead of it being cut off like it was so anyways that's me um uh alex why don't you go Okay, so there was a few games that kind of came to mind, and I will say that this the the game that I'm going to bring up is one that I I love. It's probably my favorite game in the franchise, but it would be really cool to see the true to vision of Bioshock Infinite because that was a game that mm. changed a lot from initial showing to like development and kind of changed every time they showed it. And finally, when it was released, it was great. And it was kind of, but it wasn't what sort of people were promising or what like was promised by Ken yeah. Levine. <clears throat> yeah. The, the funny thing about that game is that like in the lead up to its release, he talked about this experience where you would be able to, you know, go wherever it is that you so chose within the floating city of Columbia. You can make dramatic changes to the course of the game's narrative and really like mold it to your own liking. And the game that we got, you know, while so good in its own right, I would say that if there is like a central through line in the Bioshock infant that we got, it's that, you can't really kind of do anything to change anything meaningfully. Like every single quote unquote change that you're presented with, not change choice that you're presented with in the game that we got ultimately is inconsequential. Yeah. And they make that a very, very like very uh, like they really hammer that point in with the narrative as well. Yeah, there's there was a whole bunch of stuff like um, there's a video. There's a really good video by a YouTuber called Crowbat. Um, and it's called That's the Bioshock. Uh, oh well, <laughs> but it's um, that threw me for a loop. Uh, it's the the Bioshock Infinite we never got, and it's a bunch of interviews with Ken Levine along with like footage from showings of Bioshock Infinite. I um, yeah, go ahead. I rem- I ju- I just remember there was like a trailer where like return of the jedi was playing in the background revenge of, the of jedi, yeah. revenge of the jedi at the time as it was originally called somewhere and like she opened the portal to that and like nearly got hit by a car and warped right back it was 
I, I remember that. That was that. That's in the final version of the game, but they changed it from the English version of Return of the Jedi to like French, and it's yeah. like you basically you open up to a portal to like Paris in like the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also like the context of the scene was completely different because in the the big game or the main game, it's uh, Elizabeth just like playing with her powers. Where in the this version that they showed for the E three trailer, it's Booker and Elizabeth trying to bring a horse back to life, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be this really like intimate moment that gets like kind of like that gets kind of interrupted. And I think that that's like, that's one of the big things that like Ken talked about in some of these interviews is like just the kind of show a more personal side of Columbia, both Comstock and like the people along with the Vox Populi and see how the, the dynamics between these two factions really change and how it changes over the course of the whole game, where in the full game, it was just kind of, Booker and Elizabeth do a thing and then everything's changed and you don't see the gradual pace at which that change happens. It's just all at once you're getting thrown into it, which, you know, at the end of the day, I think it worked for the full game. It just would be cool to kind of like the version we never got to see. And it would like that's one of the biggest things that I think that um, if we got games that did the Snyder cut type treatment the biggest benefit you would get is having both versions and getting to compare and contrast and see what, which one, which version one did better, which thing the other version did better and just kind of compare and contrast that with. Um, yeah, I, I really, because Bioshock Infinite is my favorite game in the Bioshock franchise. I know that might be a little blasphemous, but I love it. I think it's mine too, to be honest. It, it like the first Bioshock blew my mind, but I could never like, play through it a second time because i knew all the secrets yeah where bioshock infinite was absolutely like it it just such a like especially right at the end there i'm not going to spoil it um but you know the the twists and turns it takes you and the reveals at the end were absolutely like fabulously done that i did not see some of those coming so yeah for sure. I um I, I recently played through the PlayStation 4 versions of Oh, by the way, here's the horse scene. Um I recently played through the PlayStation 4 versions of BioShock 1 and 2 and also um the Nervous Den for BioShock 2. BioShock Infinite is the last game in the series that I've yet to get back to, so I'm definitely looking forward to re-experiencing it and seeing how I feel about it a decade onward. I should play this game. Oh, it's very good. I have it because it was a free PS Plus game, uh, the Mm -hmm. whole collection at some point. Um, And I've only played the original Bioshock, which I loved, but uh, Bioshock 2 never really excited me enough to go play because it seemed like more of the same. But I should try to check this out and see how it is. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think think Infinite is uh, a very special game. Okay. Um, All right. Well, let's move on. uh, Cozy. What do you got for us? Tell us about your Zack Snyder cut. Or oh wish. Here we wish go. I have an interesting choice, uh, to say the least. So, I don't know how much I've talked about this particular series on Press YZ in the past. Um, have have I at all brought up Lost Planet? No. No, I don't Not believe so. I've been thinking about this game recently. Yeah, okay. So, like... 
was there the a last second one that series... never came out that people saw? No, the second there one were, came out. Yeah, there, there, there were, were three. three Lost Planet games plus a spinoff that was not called Lost Planet, but was everything uh, in terms of Lost Planet style and gameplay and story and whatnot. Um, so the thing about Lost Planet is it came out during that period of time where Capcom was very much in pursuit of the Western games market. Capcom wanted to be seen as a developer that was just as much for Western gamers as it was for Japanese gamers, if not even more for Western gamers. And Lost Planet specifically was built with the original intention of basically creating a Halo killer. Um, the funny thing is, though, is, you know, on the road from hey, we want to make this game that is going to be a Halo killer to, hey, this game is a finished product in store shelves. They ended up making an experience that's less so Halo and more so Monster Hunter, but in a sci-fi setting with guns and mechs. Um, It is not like perfectly uh, aligned with uh, Mohun in terms of gameplay, but that is sort of the closest thing that I feel like it is comparable to. It has that kind of weighty feel to its combat where when you swing a sword or shoot a gigantic gun or attempt to trample an enemy with a special move with your mech, you are locked into said move for the entirety of its animation. And so every action that you take is something that you have to kind of calculate very kind of carefully uh, in a way that I feel like a lot of Western games are just kind of like, uh, just, you know, spam whatever moves you so choose and you'll eventually get through said battle. Not that said style of gameplay is inferior to, you know, the style I just talked about with Lost Planet, but just to give you an example of what kind of game it is. Um, The first game was not, uh, it was not a launch title for the Xbox 360, but it came out not long after launch and was like one of the few kind of like uh, big hits within its kind of initial like launch window um it was for its time like pretty well beloved but i did go back and play through it uh not too long ago and i'm here to tell you that it is not aged super well unfortunately it's story and a a lot of the kind of localization work in particular on it is just not that great um however uh lost planet one was followed up by a sequel lost planet two and while Lost Planet 2 is not a perfect game, I do think that it is a much improved experience over Lost Planet 1, uh, and I think uh, would be well-deserving of a Zack Snyder cut-like uh, treatment. Um, so the the original Lost Planet game takes place on this uh, planet called EDN3, and you play as a single protagonist who is trying to recover their uh, lost memories, because, of course you know, they're amnesiac, it being a Capcom game, um, <laughs> and basically save the planet from these kind of gigantic monsters and unravel a conspiracy and yada, yada, yada. Lost Planet 2 uh, takes a lot of the kind of core fundamentals of the first Lost Planet, but instead of playing as a single protagonist, you're playing as basically these five different factions that are vying for control of the planet. Um Problem is, in the original version of the game, you only really play as three of these factions, and of those three factions, two of them only get a small amount of screen time. And while the game has many great set pieces that make use of each faction's unique abilities, uh, like this one set piece in the middle of the game where you're basically chasing after a giant sandworm out of Dune, for example, and basically 
loading up these artillery strikes to attack its weak points for massive damage. Um, uh, there are other many other moments in the game where you can tell that they were trying to lead up to a really, really cool cinematic moment, but then it totally whiffs. In particular, the final boss battle of the game is... It literally is just you go into an arena and fight a blob monster by shooting it a whole bunch, and there's no real kind of strategy to it. And so, yeah, I feel like, unfortunately, the chances of this game in particular getting a re-release or a look back at it at this point are pretty negligible. Um, but if it were to get the Snyder Cut treatment, I think that it, it could uh, Capcom could make something truly fascinating. I think they could make a game that, you know, really delivers on every single big set piece that it's leading up to and kind of gives each faction in the game ample time to shine and be awesome. The just watching this gameplay, the UI and everything in this is just so mid 2000s. Uh, I I am loving <laughs> looking back at that uh at the moment. Yeah. Um put it on Game Pass. I remember yeah, absolutely, they should. I might actually give it a proper shot. Um, when when the 360 came out and I had a bunch of Xbox magazines and demo discs and stuff, the demo for the original Lost Planet was on there. And I specifically remember, I, I didn't understand like the Monster Hunter comparison because I never played a Monster Hunter at that point. I my first Monster Hunter was Monster Hunter World, but the I I didn't personally like the way it controlled in terms of the reticle on the screen and you would move the stick and it would move the reticle on the screen but not actually change your aim. There was like a reticle within a reticle that you were moving. Once you moved it outside of that reticle, that secondary spot in the middle of the screen then your character would start to move and turn and that just sort of uh, the because it wasn't like a direct one-to-one -one movement in that that regard it just kind of turned me off of course i was a, a picky teenager when it came to video games at that point if it wasn't halo or zelda i didn't care so you know take take my opinion there with a grain of salt but you know, the, that that's the, really the extent of my memory of Lost Planet. And I kind of I've been itching for to to kind of go back and like take another look at it. Like, well, OK, was I miss was I missing something or whatnot? But also hearing that perhaps it didn't quite hold up the way the way the way you had hope, hoped at least. Uh Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe it does need need a second chance, but like a, a new a new release of it. Like I said, you know, uh, something that both helped and uh, hindered Lost Planet was the fact that it was part of this big initiative on Capcom's part to really kind of capture the Western audience. And while I think that Capcom wasn't able to ride that to success with the first Lost Planet, I think that by the second and especially by the third Lost Planets uh, releases, it had become a little bit of a noose around their neck where I think people were more inclined to not like their use games because they're like, ah, oh, these games, all the resources that are going towards these games are distracting from Capcom focusing on their more, you know, Japanese-centric franchises. I also think it created this issue where, so, you know, I talked about how gameplay-wise, the games were most 
close to more close to Monster Hunter than they are to Halo or Gears of War. I think a lot of people went into those games not really understanding that because this is at a period of time in like the mid to late 2000s where um, you know the Monster Hunter series was way more niche than it is now, and I think a lot of people went into them with these expectations that oh it's going to be um, Gears of War, but you know with way more of a weird Capcom sci-fi flair. And then they get this game that, you know, as you were describing, AJ, feels a lot more weird and unorthodox to play and control. And I think that that definitely was a a major hindrance towards the games at the time that I feel like in the years since, a lot of people have looked back on them and been like, oh, you know what? I, I, I realize that I kind of went into this game with wrong expectations, which is why now you see a little bit of a resurgence in the games. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. I've never really played Lost mm-hmm. Planet, so I'm... Uh, that was really um, actually a good deep dive into it uh, and to maybe why I won't play it. Plus, I don't think it's backwards compatible, maybe for not on PlayStation, definitely, but maybe for Xbox. Definitely, I believe definitely it is not on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, definitely not on PlayStation. If if I recall correctly, and somebody can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I believe that Capcom Vancouver, prior to being shutting down, prior to being shut down, was working on a reboot of uh, Lost Planet. That it was under like a code name that was not called Lost Planet, but like from the description, it was pretty clearly Lost Planet. And when that studio was closed, it seems like any future possibility of the Lost Planet series being brought back got shut down with it, which is unfortunate because they think that in the current modern era of Capcom, where you know we have such great titles as Monster Hunter World and Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 Remake, I think that they could do something potentially really special with it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Well, Capcom, the ball's in your court. I know you're listening. Uh, you guys are yep. weekly listeners of the podcast, Capcom. Mr. Capcom, um, and Mrs. Capcom. Don't forget her; she makes the decisions. Um, yes. Um, all right, cool. So we've all gone around the table. We've all had our discussion um, as the one that we would think. Um, is there any other ones that jump out? I'm going to just leave this open forum for you guys to tell me. Um, Rob, Robbie Rob plays earlier in the chat brought up Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, I saw that. That's a good call, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's. It's yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, let's. Most of Gearbox's games. Yeah, Aliens, <laughs> Colonial Marines. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say that's that an, one. That's another good one. I brought up uh, in the chat a uh, Starcraft Ghost that that one never got released, and that's just if we expanded the the the. The, the criteria for this the scope even to further these games well i think that's a whole separate yeah, topic think, yeah it could be a whole separate topic but still starcraft goes just just let me play it well, play what whatever you have i'll take it uh blizzard's um warcraft adventures which was going to be their point and click warcraft adventure right Ooh. i saw screenshots of that at one point that was a real thing that they just kind of canceled with yeah, I'm pretty sure that like a ton of uh, footage from that game actually leaked online not mm. too long ago. Um, and as somebody who likes adventure games, I was really in Warcraft. I was really excited about that, and uh, it just never came to fruition. Oh, do we've got footage here, Cozy? Yes, we have footage. I mean, look how good oh, this looks. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could remodernize that with like give, give it to Double Fine. Why not? Yeah. 
I mean, I think we're or, living in a world where these sorts of hypothetical projects aren't inconceivable. Uh, like not too long ago, uh, Nintendo decided to finally properly release Star Fox 2 after that game had existed in limbo for oh so long. So That's considering fair. that this game is also like mostly in a state of being completed, who knows? Maybe it could happen. The, speaking speaking of Star Fox 2, um, there was the rare game that got effectively canceled but turned into Star Fox Adventures. Oh, Dinosaur Planet. It was originally Dinosaur Planet. Dinosaur Planet, right. Um, and that recently leaked online um to you know just all all the 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 code in that got leaked online and it's technically playable uh so i made i made sure i grabbed a copy of that just for archival purposes before uh nintendo got feisty and took it down or something but you know i thought it i that uh, what would what kind of world would we be living in if instead of Star Fox Adventures, we got Dinosaur Planet? Like, honestly, I don't think uh, Dinosaur Planet would be a footnote in the history of Rare because um, putting like people don't love Star Fox Adventures. And I think making that game Dinosaur Planet or keeping it as Dinosaur Planet wouldn't have really. Well, I think it would just and, become and a forgettable I, game in rares n64 lineup or wait it was gamecube it came out on gamecube so it it was it was originally supposed to be on n64 yeah but then um then they pushed it to the gamecube and made it star fox adventures but i remember especially at the time a lot of the complaints about it about star fox adventures was why is this a, a star fox game this isn't the star fox that this isn't the Star Fox that we want. It's, you know, people wanted something more along the lines of Star Fox Assault, which came later, which I also don't think ended up being very good uh, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, no, I know yeah. it's one of those. I remember seeing screenshots for this game in Nintendo Power when I was a little kid. Um, or I guess, wait, 16 ish. Um seeing the screenshots of Nintendo power in the video games magazines. And then it, it changed. Um, Mm -hmm. and that happens all the time. Like the original before final fantasy seven was a thing. There were screenshots floating around in Nintendo power for final fantasy 64, which never came out. Um, and final fantasy 64 had the most chibi chibi ish, um, uh, 3d characters that I could ever, uh like imagine um you could tell it was very prototype um but that's the type of stuff you'd see i kind of miss those old days when you'd see things in magazines that were created months and months beforehand that they had to like get to printing um because you don't get that stuff in the internet days anymore everything's very curated and careful and it's a much more of a business um than it used to be Mm -hmm. On the subject of um, Star Fox Adventures, I feel like it would be an interesting um, thought experiment to go in and like look at every single Nintendo game to come out where it was originally be wor- being worked on as an original idea, not tied to any particular IP, and then it got attached to an IP halfway through, and to kind of wonder and consider like 
would these games have maybe been better if they didn't have an IP uh, attached to them? You know, because Nintendo, they are very much in the business of being like, all right, let's develop this uh, new concept. And then at a certain point, let's attach Mario or Zelda to that so that we can give this new idea like a level of a sheen of a guarantee of quality to it that will entice more people to come and get it. Doki Doki Panic? Uh, oh yeah that's yeah although that's i mean that's a little bit different because that was actually a completed game in japan um but i I guess that's a fair point that's just yeah yeah, yeah, i think you're right but it's the first thing that came to my mind but yeah 100 i see what you're saying there yeah yeah hmm I was thinking more like, so like, for example, you know, in Super Mario Sunshine, one of the, you know, most iconic things about that game is the fact that Mario has a water jet pack called Flood that allows him to spray surfaces with water, you know, run at high speeds, get launched up into the air. Like, you'd have to imagine that at some point, Flood was like some concept that Nintendo was working on that maybe was not even attached to a Mario game. Uh, I, I'm spitballing here. If it turns out I'm completely wrong on this, well, woe on me. But like, what would that have looked like if Flood was like in its own game, its own original IP and not attached to Mario? Like, would we have looked on that game with the same level of disdain that some people looked on Super Mario Sunshine at the time of its release? Or would we have been like, oh, this is a neat little idea. It's a good thing that this wasn't a Mario game. I don't know. That game sunshine's like the 3d mario that never connected with me uh i need to try the try the one in the collection again and see if my feelings hold true on that um at this point many years later but i have a hard time thinking when these games didn't work with the properties that they got turned into that they would have worked in the first place um without that property um and Mm -hmm. i think they just have less, it'd be more of a footnote in time instead of like this major thing we talk about. Because it's a Mario game, what about, we talk about it more. Yeah. I just, sorry, I just had a, a another brain blast. Uh-oh. Silent Hills. Yeah, Kojima. Well, yeah. I thought about that one with PT, but I, they never even got to getting the game made. They just had the playable teaser and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would, but, you know, obviously that would be like a big one, but at the same time, it also not sure if it counts towards this list in particular. Still yeah. rumors that Sony is going to publish a Silent Hill game uh, from Ko- Kojima. That would, yeah. I it, that would be so interesting, but part of me doesn't believe it'll happen, specifically because Konami is notoriously petty that they might give it to Sony, but they would be like, there would be some clause to be like, Kojima Productions cannot work on this. Mm. I'm very, well, yeah, and I'm curious to see what would happen there. But there's been a lot of, I feel like those rumors have a lot of smoke behind them because we Mm. keep hearing them uh, from different people. So, yeah, I could see it coming to fruition. I just feel like people might be trying to will something into existence that's not, like the Snyder Actually Cut? Actually, the case. That's true. I, I mean, at this listen, point, anything's possible. I s- anything is possible. I saw a trailer or a clip from uh, Kind of Funny's in review of the original Justice League that uh, somebody posted, and it was Greg telling them that there's a Snyder Cut, and they're like, there's no Snyder Cut. For like three yeah, minutes of him t- saying there's a Snyder Cut and then <sighs> telling him he's not. 
so or there isn't so <laughs> never doubt that man again um he's a prophet. i don't know if this fits yeah i don't know if this uh fits onto the list or not but overwatch actually came oh from titan kind of yeah from titan mm. which was would have been i think a, a bit more of a, a single player endeavor and they decided to break it out into a multiplayer uh kind of competitive shooter there so mm. i don't i don't know if that counts i i'd like to see what that that could have been that yeah. would have been interesting so for sure robbie uh rob plays is actually um cashed in for a future topic of the show uh unreleased games you want to see uh the retail retail life i guess yep getting sold so yeah. maybe we yeah. hold on to some of these and keep them in our uh chest uh yes sure. in our chest so that we can because i think this is a good topic of the show idea um for an upcoming episode i don't know if next week do we have something planned for next week i think we got to figure that out yeah um, we, um, we we have stuff planned for next week excellent oh perfect yes and then the week after that will be uh our wrestlemania show which i know uh everybody's really excited about right definitely uh, I am hell yeah so hard yes son. what is very hard for the wrestlemania show uh, we've got a real surprise for the WrestleMania show. I can think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be honest. Oh, uh, shit. What are we shitting? No, I said, oh, shit. Like, oh. in response to your surprise. Uh, understand. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think that'll be good. Uh, just giving you guys a little pre-hype of what's coming up on Press YYZ in the next few weeks. So Now's the time to get excited. Please be excited. Please clap. It, hold on a sec. Is this the end of the episode? Because I still have a few things I wanted to bring up. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. Let's keep going then. My apologies. Uh, yeah, it's not a problem. Um, so I did want to bring up... It, it, I, I don't feel perhaps the same way about this game as I felt about um, Lost Planet 2 when I brought that up. But I do feel like there is a Snyder Cut version of Infamous Second Son that could be really, really clutch. I think that Infamous Second Son in its original form was a totally serviceable launch window game that featured, you know, fantastic, uh, just, uh, you know, action-packed sucker punch gameplay um, and some really, really, really cool superpowers, um, at least from a visual perspective. I think, though, that the story of that game, and I, I think a lot of people would agree with me on this, was just very, very shallow and ultimately didn't do a very good job of kind of connecting itself to the rest of the infamous universe. I mean, it's actually not that dissimilar to how like, for example, the original cut of justice league kind of kept its main through line very, very simple and didn't try to create any large connections to dark sea, dark sea, dark side. I know I already saw dark this side. movie. Dark, dark side. side. Dark, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't try to create any large kind of connections to Darkseid and the planet that he reigns over and the rest of his cabal. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see what a um, director's cut, starter cut of that game would look like, because I think that it could be really, really novel. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. That could be really interesting. Um, anybody else have any more that they want to go over? 
I've got one more that I can kind of hit. Okay. Um, though I again, it's from another franchise that I love, and I will never stop talking about. I do think that there is some sort of Halo Two Snyder cut that you could have because there is so much cut content from Halo Two. Mm-hmm. The whole oh, yeah. final mission was completely changed. It and a lot of it came from like just the having to restart development of the game nine months before it was supposed to come out. Halo 2 was a very fucked development cycle. Like, it was insane, some of the stories that Bungie devs have from it. Yep. Um, And, yeah, like, I think that there could be totally something really cool that, like, if there was ever, like, the unreleased content from Halo 2 in whatever form that it's in, if it was, like, finished, it would be kind of cool to to see some of that stuff. Okay, so maybe this also doesn't count necessarily, but I'm going to say it anyway. The release of Halo Infinite for 2020 as to what it sh- what it was going to be. I want to see that cut. Mm. <laughs> and I want to com- be able to compare it to the months later finished version. Because like the, the, the original release in 2020, if that came out, that would have been the Joss, Joss Whedon cut. And then going back and fixing it after could have been, you know, could be the Snyder cut. I would really like um, Craig the, what's the guy's, Craig's name? Craig the Brute? Is it Brute? Yes, yes. I like the Craig the Brute uh, point-and-click adventure game set in the Halo universe. <gasps> I would love that. I just want, I just want a full game around Craig. Yeah. Give Craig his own game. Put him, uh, yes. give him to Double Fine. Let Double Fine do something with him. <laughs> a tongue-in-cheek Halo game would be awesome. <laughs> I'm su- I Me- wish Mega Blocks Halo compete with the Lego games. That was a that was a game that will. Th- there's like a weird like demo for that game somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a real thing, huh? Yeah, it, that's on right. a cert on a certain Project YouTube Hagar. channel. Yeah, on a certain I YouTube channel, to. I watched I watched a video that went into detail about that. Is that canceled? I remember hearing about that, and not much else. Yeah, or is it just canceled. in development hell? Project Hagar, the Mega Block Halo game, it's canceled. Yeah, is it okay? Yeah, yeah. Which is too bad because like a, a lot of people, when that game was you know uh, leaked, commented that like, hey, you know, I. I'm an older person now. I have a nephew. I have a son. This would be a fun game to kind of play alongside them. But I'm guessing Microsoft didn't really see fit to see it through. On the bonus, we're going to get a new Lego Star Wars game soon, which is going to be much different than the existing Lego games. So did did you guys? I th- this was locked somewhere in the back of my memory, somewhere. Um, there was going to be at the very least Bungie made a port of it in some capacity but uh, some version of halo on the ds yes yeah uh, i um okay so i actually did some research into that project a while ago um mm-hmm. so the halo ds project was not a game that was ever greenlit in any capacity like unlike project hagar which you're seeing on screen for example was which it, was, was greenlit a- but then canceled halfway through the Halo DS pitch was basically put together by a, I don't remember who they were, but it was like a prominent Nintendo DS developer uh, from back in the day. 
And basically, um, Bungie had a look at the pitch and it's like, no, we're not really interested. Um, and that was kind of the end of it. Mm, interesting. Then that's what became Metroid Prime Hunters. No, <laughs> Me- Metroid Prime Hunters no. was, I-, I think it might have actually been developed before uh, Halo DS. Because you have to remember, Metroid Prime Hunters was available like shortly after the launch of the DS. This came like quite a few years later. Okay, okay. This Mega Bloks Halo looks really good. Yeah. It looks better than regular <laughs> Halo in every no. way. All right, let's, let's, no. not go, let's not go that far. I might actually want to play this game if it existed or was real. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to crap on Halo anymore. It's a fine game that I don't think Halo 1 grabs me uh, because it just hasn't Which aged well. Is per- Never mind. I was going to say that's perfectly reasonable, but I retract my statement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um but yeah, no, no I not. think uh I'm not really no, that's correct. Um I think <laughs> okay, so I- I- am I good to do a start doing a soft close of the show now? Before I- does anybody want to get anything else out of the way? I think you're good. I think we're good. Okay. So, yeah. um all right, so Oh, j- hold on a second. Sorry, okay. before we log off. <laughs> so earlier I talked a little bit about Halo DS. I just wanted to quickly go in and check my facts. So I mentioned that it was made by a prominent Nintendo DS developer from back in the day. Uh, that developer was a developer called N-Space. Um, they oh, made yeah. a lot of like uh, like licensed games like Mary-Kate and Ashley, uh, mm-hmm. Magic Mystery Hall. Uh, they made Wings Join the Club, uh, a bunch of Duke Nukem things. They also made Geist, uh, that oh. weird-ass first-person shooter for the GameCube. Um so one of the games that they worked on was GoldenEye Rogue Agent uh, for the DS. And when the Halo DS demo leaked via IGN, people made note of the fact that, hey, this asset-wise looks very similar to uh, what was present in GoldenEye Rogue Agent. And basically through that, they were able to connect it to Endspace as the developer of Origin behind the demo. They changed their name huh. too, didn't they? They've had a few names. I remember hearing about that back uh and space closed down in 2016 unfortunately okay well i don't know maybe it's a different studio um but yeah okay so well let's get into uh just uh finish that episode off um so oh wait hold on a second oh before sorry (laughs) last final final. just like if just like if mitch was hosting yeah, yeah this, I was going to mention this is like this Zack Snyder's Justice League where there's like it just 14 never different ends. epilogues. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, I don't know how this slipped my mind because, I again, I did research on this in the past. I should have known this information off the, off the top of my head. Um, Project Hagar, the Mega Bloks Halo game that we were looking at and ogling just a few minutes before, was also being worked on by Endspace, the same Halo DS developer. Oh, wow. Which... It, what, when you really think about it, it's kind of a sad story because so many people, so many people in the video game industry have origin stories that are like, oh man, when I was a kid, I worked on a like homemade Mario game that was totally illegal. And then fast forward 20 years, I got hired by Nintendo and I'm working on a proper Mario game. Like N-Space would have had that trajectory. They would have been like, oh man, we worked on this weird DS Halo prototype and then we got hired to actually make a proper 
Halo game, albeit a Mega Bloks Halo game, but unfortunately it never came to pass. Hmm. All right. Well, this has been an interesting uh, bookend to our conversation about the games that we think needed a Snyder cut. Um, so, yeah, if you want to let us know and uh, you're listening on podcast services about what games you think need a Snyder cut, reach out to us at our Twitter um, at PressYYZ or reach us out to us individually or send us an email. We love emails from our fans. So um, 100% because we'd be really curious. So um, I just want to remind everybody that I'm going to be streaming tomorrow for the first time. So come check it out uh, uh, on this channel where you are watching right now. Um, you can do that. If you're listening, you cannot watch me my first time because you will have missed it. But you can catch the video on demand. Uh, I'll, I think I can get it up there pretty quick. I usually get it up night of. Oh, really? Okay. Giggity. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then maybe you will uh, if you listen to it early enough. Um, but, uh, challenge accepted. All right. Excellent. (laughs) Um, so that being said, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Press YOZ. If you enjoyed what you heard, be, for, be sure to follow us on Twitch. Smash that subscribe button on YouTube and rate and review <laughs> us on Apple Podcasts. Hang out with us on Discord and check out our Twitter account at Press YYZ to stay up to date when we go live with and post our new episodes. Until next time, thanks for playing. Take care, guys. And spike Take your hair. Take care, guys. <laughs>